0: Welcome back to Koreascape in this week's Planet Korea. We reprise our regular segment called Urbanism with our friend Colin Marshall. You'll recall Colin is the sole blogger for the Los Angeles Review of Books And just an all-around expert on the subject of cities. He's an incredibly prolific blogger and podcaster. One internet search will reveal all of that to you. Usually, we pound the pavement, we find someplace interesting in the city, and we go exploring. But this week, we're cheating a bit. Mainly because it is just hot enough to steam mandu on the sidewalk out there. So we're doing a studio edition. Colin is right next to me here in our lovely air-conditioned studio. Colin? Colin? Thanks for coming in. Glad to be here on the first Studio Urbanism segment. (laughs) We're going to go a little bit more abstract this time, mainly so that we don't both suffer heat stroke by the time we're done recording. We're going to look at big picture issues uh, regarding soul and its image. Uh, Kind of take the 45,000-foot view. You've got an excellent article that was just put out in the Guardian newspaper. I'll read out the headline, Lacking Soul? Why South Korea's thriving capital is having an identity crisis? Well, why? I emphasize we
1: don't write the headlines. The writers—that's <laughs> other people. You know, when you write an article on Seoul, and I, I write about a lot of different cities. That was published in the Guardian Cities, their section devoted entirely to cities. I've been writing for that since its launch. In fact, I wrote a series on Korean cities years ago when I—before I even moved here—I came traveling. But you always hope that you won't get. A soul, soul pun when you write about soul. But, right. you know, you can't... We all have to be mature about I this and accept I left my heart in soul. Oh, God. I mean, as long as it's not soul food, I'm, I'm pretty happy. In yeah. any case, this article is about the branding of soul. Soul yes. as a brand. And I've been working on it for the past six months or so. I pitched it early this year. And um, we underwent a change of editor as well. And that's sort of... It, the pitch still lasted because it was... I thought I'd finished the article. Every time I thought I'd finished it, something new would happen to add to this idea of how Soul has become a brand. You know, for example, the uh, Solo Seventy Seventeen opened. That um, the the conversion of the old freeway overpass by Soul Station. Yeah, you and I went there. We did a whole thing together. Exactly. On. For those who haven't, for those who haven't heard that segment, though, just a little introduction to it. That was a big. Um, a big, what do you call it? A boost for Seoul's a brand, or intended as a, yeah. a boost for Seoul's brand. Uh, there was the slogan, the national slogan, "Creative Korea," that was scrapped, uh, but developed at a cost of US three million dollars uh, equivalent, really? and never once used. Uh, so, <laughs> some branding event. They just kept happening, and eventually, yeah, this article came out just last week. But I had been watching the Seoul branding news over the past six months, and really the. There's a couple publications were the the impetus for this. Number one, there's a magazine in Korea called Magazine B. It's a Korean magazine with no ads devoted to brands. So there's issues Uh devoted. Each issue is about a brand. International brands, Korean brands, mostly international. Penguin, the book publisher. Um, Berlin, the city. Uh, Tsutaya, the Japanese bookstore. Each month is a brand. And for their, I think, 50th issue, they did an issue on Seoul. Seoul had become a brand, even in the eyes of Koreans, which is its own kind of achievement. Uh, Put it up there. They did an issue about Portland more recently. So these are the kind of the cities that have become brands. they've, They've brought Seoul into the fold in that way. When a city becomes a brand, Colin, what does that mean? It means it's known globally and it's known as being associated with a certain image so you think of portland the subject of the new magazine B issue show you get a certain image in mind
0: right eccentricity
1: yes keep portland weird you think of flannel you think of beards you think of coffee craft beer mm-hmm. all that kind of thing trees lots of trees i was at a talk uh, magazine B talk about portland just last week so this is all fresh in my mind you think of berlin what do you think of Cutting-edge art and people in turtlenecks. People in turtlenecks and all living pretty cheaply, yeah. not too expensive. Uh, a, a bohemian place that is still a global capital. And when you think of Seoul, for a long time, people haven't really had an image of Seoul, even within Korea, but especially outside Korea. I mean, there was the Olympics. People got a glimpse of, of Seoul in 1988. Mm. But you know, if you think of what the brand of Seoul has
0: been over the past 10, 20, 30 years, does anything come to mind? it's unfair for me to say, because I've been here and I've been interested, but when when we're talking about brand value, we're talking about the instant knee-jerk association that anybody, Joe Average on the street, who's never been here, would have, right? Exactly, because when it's a product brand,
1: you want a quick association, a strong association. Unthinking
0: almost. Exactly. And frankly, uh, up until very, very recently, I don't think Seoul has quite had that. Mm-hmm. Your argument... Um, or perhaps that magazine's argument by focusing an entire issue on souls quote unquote brand is that yes there is a brand now
1: exactly the the real statement is soul is becoming a brand and that itself is kind of surprising because there's another book another recently published text I draw on in this article, a book called Globalizing Seoul, okay. an English book by Professor uh, Ji Yoon at, uh, at Hongdae, an architecture professor. And that covers the efforts that there have been to globalize the city since its very rapid, its famously rapid industrialization process was complete. As she points out in the book, you know the, the Seoul and, and South Korea itself industrialized in one generation. And, as soon as it became an industrial powerhouse, it entered the post-industrial age. So there's been a scramble to turn Seoul in, this is her term, but it's also a term used sometimes in English language discussions in official Korea, uh, to go from a hard city, an industrial hard city, to a soft city, a cultural city with a more human amenities that's more about meeting individual needs than abstract national development goals, which it was about for really its whole history since the founding of South Korea as a republic.
0: Tap the brakes there, because you just used a lot of big, big words. Yeah, um, I'm all about the big words, right? Well, I mean, you've, you've I mean, let's take what you just said yes. and make it even simpler. Uh, I hear the word hypermodern. Used to describe soul, it's it modernized rapidly. It's now so modern that it's more modern than a lot of places, and it's not even postmodern. It's got these sort of hypermodern benefits and kind of uh, neuroses, we could say of consumerism and uh, pressure and all of this stuff. But um when we're talking about uh, the unthinking associations, the instant, brand value of Seoul. What kind of stuff are we talking about? Obviously, style.
1: People think of style. People think of high-level shopping, especially in Asia. People think of tall towers, whether they're these residential complexes or whether they're the kind of buildings you see here in Digital Media City the, mm-hmm. of recent design, of recent construction, all sort of built at once. Um, I always I came here to Digital Media City last week with a friend from Mexico City. Stepped off the bus, looked up, and he's like, this place really is the future. I feel like I'm walking around amongst sort of gods of the future and wondering how I need to appease them. It shimmers. Indeed, it shimmers. And uh, with the brand of Seoul, there have been many efforts, and this is something that's talked about in this book, Globalizing Seoul, many official efforts to define it. Uh, South Korea was, of course, an economy built very very much in a top-down fashion, essentially ordered to develop and um, deliberately designed by especially certain individuals in power to develop in a certain mm-hmm. way. Soul has... There have been efforts to brand it, deliberate efforts to brand it, most notably uh, the re- the most recent slogan, I Soul You, rolled out in yeah, 2015. Yeah, if
0: I Soul You, Colin... What exactly am I doing? <laughs>
1: well, expats have had many a discussion about what exactly it means to soul somebody. And, you know, it met, as you'll
0: recall, so much ridicule. I soul you, to begin with. Uh, kind of unfair ridicule. I have to say, yeah. I was kind of there snickering with the expat crowds. But the simple fact is that a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily designed for native speakers. Yes, very and it's much it's not so. necessarily designed to be sort of heard as English, right? Mm. I soul you is very visual. It is. It's abstract. It's and abstract. Yeah.
1: I, I still see it in use today. It hasn't been scrapped like Creative Korea was. It it gets a lot of use. It's, I, I see it on the trucks here at TBSCFM. It's got you on the side, and I, I like it. I didn't like it at the beginning. I have to admit, I kind of like it now, too. Yeah, it's I've come around. I, I, I'm i sort of afraid this Guardian article has been edited down in such a way to make it seem like I still dislike you but I think it's a move forward, in fact, mm. for Seoul's branding. Although I liked the... Uh, the old slogan, which the old Korean language slogan of Seoul, which you translated, it's uh, the soul we create together, the soul we enjoy together, which I think does say something about Seoul. But "I Soul You" isn't bad, and it's versatile because you
0: can see there's like a Korean version of "I Soul You."
1: right? Now, there's only "I Soul You," they've actually replaced the Korean language slogan, which was what uh, the the old Korean language slogan translates to: "The soul we create together, okay. the soul we enjoy together." Yeah. Now they've consolidated into one slogan. They put. I sold you and then they put the Korean equivalent below it but it's all I soul you is the focus uh, for remind me
0: what's the Korean equivalent of I soul you so what do they put under
1: it do they put like no na or something like that But okay uh, yeah it's they, the focus is on the English no one's really even Koreans don't care that much about the Korean words underneath I soul you because that's the focus has been I soul you and uh, that's one example of a top down effort although it was crowdsourced but there have been complaints about that process as well there was a vote it was a, a live vote sort of in person but the other candidates were surprising soul, souling, soulmate. More of these soul puns. Pretty <laughs> unappealing. Soulin'. Pretty empty. Pretty yeah. empty, I would say. They don't really say anything about soul. But the the efforts on the whole have not been that successful to brand the city from the top down mm. so there's been a search for if if that's not going to work what will and that's a lot of what mag- this magazine b issue was about and what this book globalizing Seoul, is about the search for what the brand of this city is if it can't be
0: if the if the brand can't simply be, be applied to Seoul like a sticker mm, i suppose this is where we have to honk the kangnam uh, style horn yes, right yes 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 uh kangnam style of course completely unintentionally, I think, branded Korea and Seoul. It started off as this, uh, perhaps something that um, the rather starchy types that developed these branding strategies might not have appreciated fully. It's uh, it's sort of a little bit risque. It's a little bit um, looking at the underworld. It's a little bit silly. But then once it got scaty 8 million views, then they said, okay, maybe we'll weave this into the brand a little bit. It is, yes.
1: The recently dethroned Gangnam Style was more important for Seoul's brand than anything else, than anything that was deliberately done. You know, amid all these efforts, many of them expensive, to actively brand Seoul, Gangnam Style breaks out. The music video breaks out. It's seen around the world. It is what gives, I would say, if someone has an idea of Seoul who's never been here somewhere else in the world, they probably got it directly or indirectly Absolutely. from Gangnam Style, which is, it's making fun of, not necessarily making fun of Seoul, but it's making fun of Gangnam. And now, I mean, this is it's, an, it's astonishing to people who have grown up in Seoul that outsiders, people who've never visited Korea, know what Gangnam is, in yeah. some sense. I mean, and Sai explained it himself in English on a TV show one time. He said it was the Beverly Hills of Seoul, which is, I came here from Los Angeles. It's, there's a, Something accurate about that, but something inaccurate as well. The point I often have to make to friends who've just come to visit or haven't been to Korea yet at all and ask about Gangnam is, Gangnam was built, Gangnam's brand new. Nothing was built before the 1970s. It was just a bunch of fields south of uh, the Han River. It used to be called New Seoul back in the 70s or 80s when development really was just ramping up. But uh, land values in Gangnam, after the development began, went from nothing to everything. They went up 130,000% during the 1960s and 1970s. It's really, by historical city development standards, it was an instant development. Mm. A, A whole half of the city just brought up from the ground mm. and it's Gangnam has for better or for worse given contributed highly to the image of Seoul held around the world. I think that can often be for Glitchy, worse. Glitzy, modern, yes. a little bit decadent. A little bit decadent and hard to really get a read on too. It's, it's, Gangnam is sort of when, when you go down there, you, there's a lot of tall towers, a lot of wide streets, a lot of uh, high class shops but is there an identity? I'm not so sure if it's a strong mm. identity. I, in fact, it's a stronger identity up north. I would say, you know, Gangbuk style is the more distinctive style, but it mm. hasn't got as much traction yet. And people have still, whether they're officials or just people trying to improve uh, soul, have looked mm. for ways. But still, it's it's not yet clear what the ultimate brand of soul is going to be, but it's clear that it's developing.
0: I don't think Opantongno style would have worked <laughs> <quite> as well. <laughs> I know. Ulziro yeah. style? I, I, I think <laughs> I'm I think i, I think <laughs> I'm more Ulziro style than anything. Do, do you mind if I grind a little axe here? I grind There's it. one thing that I... I really think that Seoul needs, and I think that's a monolith. Um, many, many cities around the world have a monolith. Uh, the Empire State Building, yes. uh, the Eiffel Tower, the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. Um, and I, to my perception... Seoul doesn't really have one of those. It's and not
1: for lack of trying, though. There's there's
0: Seoul Tower, which is but it's like Which other is towers. an anachronism. It looks like something out of a 70s cop drama to me.
1: You you're right. And it's not that different from, you know, the CN Tower in Toronto mm. or even Busan Tower or Tok- Tokyo Tower for that matter. That's where That's what I would replace. If you gave me
0: absolute power, I would I would replace Namsan Tower with some amazing monolith. You, uh, I don't know what though. The, I mean there's there was one
1: effort There's been a push recently uh, for the DDP, the Dongdaemun Design Plaza, as an icon of Seoul. One problem being, uh, and it's a story that reveals a lot about the struggles to brand Seoul, is, of course, it was designed by the late Zaha Hadid, the world-famous British architect. And it was built at great expense and much controversy on the site of the old uh, Dongdaemun Stadium. And it's been successful as a quasi-public space. It is, of course, private space, but it's used as a a public gathering space in a lot of senses. I go there fairly often for Mm. different events they have there. I like the exhibitions, you know. There's decent food there, although that's being sort of reconstructed now. But it's a lot of the materials in the run-up to the building of the DDP referenced the Guggenheim Bilbao, built by Frank Gehry, which is credited with revitalizing this post-industrial city of Bilbao. It wasn't really you know, it was barely on a map before that museum. And you wonder how effective the DDP has been at the goals officials had for it. Because like the Guggenheim Bilbao, there's not a lot of direct connection to the city around it. The DDP is in Seoul, but is it really of Seoul? It's kind of the analogy is always this, an alien spaceship that just landed
0: there. Yeah, and they've done these parody videos of DDP taking off into space, right? <laughs> you know who writes? You and I both know Michael Hurt, right? Yes, uh, yes he's an a academic and a photographer in town, and he writes these very nuanced kind of stuff about the city and Korean culture. Um, and he writes some very nuanced defenses of DDP as uh, this sort of. Nowhere space, full of nooks and crannies, and it's not defined by some particular historical paradigm. It's not a Hanuk village. It's not a typical city block. And so these these creative types, whether they're fashionistas or artists or whatever, feel very comfortable at Dongdaemun Design Plaza because it's this... It hasn't been defined yet. Some people call it science fiction. Right. But there's all of these little places where they you know, can feel open. It's an ambiguous space both in how you navigate
1: it. I get lost there all the time still. I say I go there often, but it's still a lot extra time to find where I'm actually going in there. It's an ambiguous space spatially, but it's ambiguous... Culturally, as well as I say, it's not. It doesn't. Nothing distinctive about Seoul. There's some ruins you can see. Some dug up ruins that are in the center of it. That that are you know from the Joseon Dynasty. But it's not distinctively Korean. It's not distinctively of Seoul. But it is in Seoul. People, Koreans, go there. So you know. At what point does it become a Korean space, Mm. Uh, recognizably so? I think it's 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 on its way. But it's this another instance of the importation of foreign prestige. Hiring. Uh, a foreign architect is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a standard move for that kind of effort. I remember when we were walking around recording our segment on um, Solo 7017. It's a Dutch firm, isn't it? Or- yeah, Vini Maas is the guy's name, uh, is the architect, landscape architect. And I don't know if we recorded this, but the official told us, uh, we, I think you asked him, they, they, they talked about how there was a contest to um, find the best design mm. for this, to redo this old um, overpass. And he said there was a contest, applicants from all over the world, Korean applicants as well. And you were saying, you know, how come, how come it's never a Korean architect who does these things? And he said, well, you know, we accept Korean entries into these contests. Unfortunately, they never win. Mm. So there's this sense here that with a project like the DDP wanting to build an icon deliberately, that a Korean architect couldn't have done it. And that's, that's, that's an admission on the part of Korea. Hmm. So the architectural culture, the, the, the native architectural culture is still coming along. It's developing. When it does, we may see real icons of Seoul that are genuinely Korean. Yeah. But we're still getting out of this stage where it's about buying... Some Zaha Hadid or it's, whomever. It's
0: almost like a, a sense of self-limitedness that the Koreanness is somehow belongs to antiquity, and the modernness is European and stuff. Which is something I would like to see change. I would like to see yes. a genuinely Korean iteration of modernity, uh, kind of unifying some of the themes of the past. You know, you see that in you know, like. Um, uh, what is it called Habib house the uh, ambassador's residence the US mm. ambassador's residence. even the blue house is sort of a a an iconic you know, large-scale iteration of Korean modernity, isn't it?
1: I'm optimistic about where Korean architectural culture will go. There's so much attention being paid to it. There's the, the Biennale of the first Seoul Biennale of Seoul of uh, Seoul Biennale of architecture and urbanism coming up. And I mean, in Japan, you see there's a, there's a robust architectural culture there. Japanese architects train in Japan under Japanese architects. In Korea, they're almost all trained abroad. Hmm. I think that will change. I think we'll get more Korean architects trained in Korea by Korean architects furthering a sort of new tradition, if you like.
0: I suppose if I were going to choose a branding element that characterizes Seoul, it would be in these humongously ambitious City self-transformations, right? Yeah, the digital media cities of, uh, digital, of the world. well, like we're sitting in one of them. Yes, Cheonggyecheon, of course, is another. Yes, uh, Solo is another. They're doing this monstrous um retransformation of Kangnam to create sort of a transportation and train hub there. That's going to be ready in about five or six years. Uh, if I'm not mistaken I think they've got big plans for the Kuanghua Moon area to create sort of grassy walking only spaces. Yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of material on this in this book Globalizing
1: Seoul but there's the sense now that the spa- the, the urban space of Seoul historically has not been conducive to cultivating culture to cultivating sort of not human virtues necessarily, but human activity. Really, I mean, during the development of Seoul after the war, you had a lot of expressways built, a lot of look-alike apartment towers. Mm. These were utilitarian spaces. Uh, they were, you know, utilitarian in the sense people needed places to live, people needed places, ways to get where they were going, but also financially utilitarian. They were ways to build wealth. Mm. Now the Korean economy is changing. It's, it's as as we say, it's gone post-industrial. It's long post-industrial. We're long post-IMF. Uh, the, with with the way the Korean economy itself has shifted, uh, new considerations of how to build urban space, how to change it, what's important to get out of the urban space, those have really been taken on and in thousands of different ways. There's a lot of trial and error. All, not all of these projects work. Not all of them are going to work. But Korea is willing to try them, which is—I mean, we both come from America. A lot of cities are much slower to handle these we issues. We desperately,
0: in the United States, need the kind of ambition and top-down planning, frankly, that Seoul applies to uh, itself. Right. It's it's dangerous
1: to it's dangerous to get too much top-down power. But here they've used it. They've used it so far on the whole pretty well to, to revise mm. Seoul to make it into a new
0: kind of city for the 21st century. I guess the challenge for Seoul is to uh, unify its top-down visions and its top-down resourcing with some of the organic creativity and power we saw a little bit of that in Iksandong, right? Yes, the, Where the f- former Hanok. Well, still Hanok village. Still that's a Hanok a- village-ish. They've they've got the re- They're throwing the resources at it. Right. But there's also this sort of up upswell of uh, young creativity, changing the Hanoks into places to gather, and you know, turning it into a trendy district. Depending on who you talk to, that's either you know, sort of. Uh, gauche gentrification, <laughs> or it 's uh, something very positive preservation of heritage you know this is exactly the focus of the magazine b issue small scale urbanism you know
1: record shops, cafes, coffee shops, uh, boutiques nothing is about giant new projects in that issue it 's all about what 's the what are the small businesses going on what are the where, where do you get the new ventures by young people alongside the sort of small scale traditional the markets and mm. the noodle shops and all that they 're not looking at anything too big. This this is the magazine that put out a Portland issue, so you can see kind of what they admire in cities. They're looking for, in a sense, they're pointing out where Seoul has been Portlandized, in a a way, if you Mm. know what I mean.
0: A city, I think, has to conscientiously decide what it is and what it's going to be. If you let it be completely laissez-faire, you've just got a sprawl of strip malls after a while, don't you? (laughs) Well, in America, you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, or you'll have... uh, I mean... Soul, as much character as it does have, if you let things be completely laissez-faire, you—we've seen these blocks that look exactly the same one after the other. <laughs> uh, you know, it's—they can be very repetitive. It's
1: Sorry. like those old Hanna Barbera cartoons in the '70s, where the characters are just running along and they the background just loops because they didn't have money to <laughs> make right. a new they background. Just roll
0: the same background over and over. And
1: it's a standard expat complaint from people who live here just a year or two. They say, you know, I hated how I got on the train and went for an hour and I got out in a neighborhood that looked exactly like the one I left. Exactly. Yeah, right. And that's part, part of that is they never really got they never really tapped into Korean culture enough to sense the differences. But I
0: understand their complaint, and mm-hmm. it's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think perhaps uh, one thing that Seoul and Korea could put on its to-do list is, let's think differently about signage. Ah, yes. Because the signage is very repetitive, and it it does sort of clutter up the visual landscape. But hey, uh, Seoul's doing a great job, and like you say, it is emerging into a brand um, it's just about kind of harnessing that brand power and creating sort of a global identity.
1: Without and- losing the identity it, it already had, historically. That's important, too.
0: Right, yeah. Well, when you're a city with uh, hundreds and thousands of years of heritage who uh, emerged as a modern hypercity in just the last three or four decades, you've got some sorting out to do. Right, the development causes you know struggles in that sense. There you go. Colin, it has been a pleasure chatting with you in the air conditioning, and I promise we are going to pound the pavement again soon. Looking forward to it. Glad to be here, though. That's going to do it for today's Planet Korea and our special Saturday edition of Koreascape. Our show is produced by E.Q. Hwang and Uni Park with associate production from Jamie Lee, writing by Christine Saw, and I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at the handle Koreascape. If you're an Instagrammer, Koreascape.tbs is what you want to look for. We're going to be back on Monday to start it all up again. See you then.